How are the Western Sydney Wanderers conducting a pre-season in the epicentre of Sydney's COVID outbreak? What went wrong for the club in the 2020-21 season? How is it planning on ending its four years finals drought this coming campaign? What's been the rationale behind their expansive recruiting efforts? And why is this the season where the red and black faithful should start to believe again? I'm your host Joey Lynch and this is Beyond the Lead with Western Sydney Wanderers head coach Carl Robinson. Western Sydney Wanderers, they're a little bit of an odd club. Now entering their 10th year in existence, with a fancy badge to celebrate that fact, it's one of the biggest clubs in Australian football, round ball version of the game that is. Possessing a large, loud and passionate fan base, elite facilities that house a well-resourced A-League, W-League and youth programs, the best home stadium in the country out at Bankwest Stadium and some of the most ambitious and free-spending owners in the country. And yet, the club's A-League side hasn't played finals football since the 2016-17 season and despite making three grand finals across their first four years of existence and winning an Asian Champions League in 2014, the club has never actually lifted an A-League crown. Recruiting Carl Robinson from Newcastle Jets ahead of the 2020-21 season, in a manner that still has a few noses out of joint in the Hunter, and recruiting strongly, hopes were high that the last A-League campaign would have been the one to end the drought. Only for that familiar feeling of disappointment to set in by year's end. Now, despite the challenges that continue to be wrought by COVID, the club has been highly active in recruiting ahead of the coming A-League season, and... As the fan base rumbles with discontent over their continued playoff absence, Robinson is confident the club has what it takes to succeed. But before we got to recapping last season and his plans for the campaign to come, I asked the former Welsh international turned A-League head coach just how he was conducting pre-season with a club that sits at ground zero of Sydney's COVID outbreak. Well, it's not ideal, um, but, you know, if, you, if you're going to start complaining when you are still able to get out on the grass because we have got the exemption as long as we follow the protocols, then I think I'm being very selfish. So uh, very lucky at the moment, even though there's restrictions, you know, we've only got probably 60% of the squad uh, on the training field because there's key players in lockdown areas, which obviously are not allowed out. And we understand that totally. So it's not been ideal, uh, but we're very lucky. So, you know, the important thing for me at the moment is I check in with the guys that are actually not able to train, you know, just for their mental well-being. rather, you know, yes, they can't do any physical elements and they're disappointed that they can't train. But unfortunately, there's something bigger, wider going on in the world at the moment, which we all have to understand and respect. Um, and the sooner we deal with it, the better, because then a few th more things might open in up as long as we follow the rules. I mean, have you got any word upon when you'll be able to play again, be that the FFA Cup or just the A-League season? Yeah, we, ha we haven't got a definite answer at the moment. And that's a probably frustrating thing is, and that's just circumstance. I think everyone that watches Seven News or Channel Nine, whatever they do watch, it changes on a daily basis, you know, and if cases aren't clearing up, the COVID cases aren't clearing up, then obviously there's an extension to that. So we're no different. We follow the rules. Um, we know that the FA 
Cup has been put back a little bit. We respect that. Uh, we're training at the moment with a, with a not, no start date, which is difficult. Um, but it's important you keep the, the players' minds and the staff minds fresh and, and engaged because if you, you plan for, example, plan for October 1 start and then we don't start till November 1, then there's a little bit of a dip for them. So we're just trying to keep a little bit of freshness. We're keep, keeping it short and sharp. We're getting them in and out. We're trying to drip feed them the tactical information as well as the physical and technical, which they do every day. Um, and it's just an ongoing process. So, you know, we're trying to keep the minds free at the moment. You mentioned in and out, and that's something pretty literal for you as well, isn't it? You have to be in and out of the building within certain timeframes at the moment, don't you? Yeah, we do. Uh, we obviously arrive a little bit later, the players, um, you know, 30 minutes before, prior to training. They do their prehab warm-ups and then they're out on the training field. And as soon as they finish, we try and get them out within half an hour. 45 minutes once they've done the, the massage and the treatment um, or if there's any lingering injuries. But we try and limit the time that we spend there, which is very important. We've been told that and we, and we try and follow the follow adhere to the protocols, which we do. Um, so it's short, sharp mornings at the moment. And as I said at the start, we're very lucky to be able to have the exemption to train. Um, but I also stress to the players, we make sure we follow the rules because, you know, it'd be, you know, we cannot have anyone that goes and does what they want and breaks the rules because that's a disaster for everyone. So I stress to them every day that uh, to keep them set, the feet on the ground, keep their mind free and keep themselves following those rules. I noticed looking on social media, a lot of the boys in the club have really been back in the vaccine efforts in Western Sydney as well. So important to get that done. It is. Listen, you know, the only way out of this pandemic is, as we hear every day in every country is to try and get as many people vaccinated as we can. So, you know, you, you have a decision to make as an individual and your decision is your decision. But the more people that we can get vaccinated, the sooner we can come out of this and we can get a little bit of normality. That's obviously with the sad loss of a number of people that we're going to lose along the way, which is unfortunate with viruses and especially in this pandemic. And you have to respect that, but you've got to protect yourself. So it's important you don't get vaccinated. Of course, ostensibly, you are preparing for 2021-22 season. But maybe before we get to that, we can cast our eyes back to 2020-21. It was... Bit of a disappointing season, missing finals again. You yourself, well, you say, I'll paraphrase what you said, not yep. meeting expectations because you missed the finals. With the benefit of hindsight and a full post-season review under your belt now, what do you think went wrong for the club that you couldn't break that finals drought? Yeah, I, th I think when you, when you become a coach and manager, you you always have to self-review and analyse. And, you know, when, when, when you're in your first job or whatever, you've got your set ways and you, you know that you believe this is the way the game should be and you can't figure out sometimes why it's not going that way or, you know, how to break a trend. You know, when I, when I come into this job, obviously I was very lucky. It was my third job in, in football. So you, you understand to deal with situations. You know, when I said at the end of the season, we didn't meet expectations, you know, let, let's be fair. The six, six teams that missed the playoffs didn't meet expectations. You know, you're, you're in a salary cap league and you're in a playoff league. So, you know, it's no different to me. I was in Major League Soccer for nearly near on 10 years. If you reach the playoffs, you know, there's that narrative of you had a successful year even though there's one team that wins it. And if you miss the playoffs, you've had a disappointing year. So, yes, it was disappointing. You know, I'm not papering over that. I believed we could have got there. I think we should have got there. You know, on reflection, looking back at it, we dropped too many points and we were a little bit too inconsistent. You know, and that's what I had to find the answers to. 
when you're in it, you're trying to find the answers as you go along. Sometimes you're unable to do that. You know, you want to give the personnel as many opportunities as you can that you're working with. Um, but on reflection and when you review it, you have to make some tough decisions. And, you know, sometimes unsettling things or, or changing things up is the right the right way. You know, a number of players have been there a number of years um, and not reached the targets. You know, so I decided at the end of the year, you know, this can't keep going on. We need to try and reflect. We need to be honest with it. You know, you have to accept responsibility. Managers do, coaches do, players do as well. And I just wanted to change. If, if you see the, the the squad that I tried to build partly last year, it was going to go in a different direction to what it had been the previous three years. I wanted to focus on youth. I wanted to focus on players within the academy. But I also wanted to try and reach our main target, which was the finals. That now increases a little bit this year because not only is it, it finals football, but it's also trying to win it. You know, a club this size, we can't say, well, you know, we're OK trying to get into the playoffs, even though we haven't done it for the last three, four years. You know, you have to put targets, you know, on, in people's minds, in supporters' minds. And obviously from, from the top down, the ownership have said that, you know, we've got a plan, we've got a goal. You know, sometimes supporters don't see the plan. Coaches and, and ownership do. But you've got to have targets and the target has to be, yes, we're going for finals football, but we want to try and win it. We know it's not going to be easy. We know it's, you know, one team wins it out of the 12. So there's going to be uh, a realistic element of what we want to try and achieve. But if we don't reach for that, we're never going to get there. So that's the demands I'm going to put on the players this year. It's a new group of players. It's, it's good people, you know. People say about professional footballers or professional sports people and, and what's the difference between top, top players or the ones that have that edge. And my experience is they're good people because if they're good people, you're able to get inside the mind of a player. If you're able to get inside the mind of a player, you're able to coach him more. If you're able to coach him more, he's have a bigger influence on the group. If it has a bigger influence on the group, then you, you can you can direct them in the right direction for the, your messages and what you want. And that's what we've got this year. We've got certainly very, very good play, people, players, as well as good characters. Just going back there to what you said before, talking about inconsistency and you drop in too many points. Did you what did you identify as the major reason for that? Were you shipping too many goals at the back, not scoring enough goals at the other end? I know that sounds overly simplistic, but was there yeah. a certain area on the park you feel that you could have improved on and you needed to improve on heading into this season to reach those goals you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's it's every area, Joey. I think you look at it in the first 10 games where, you know, we were very consistent. We hadn't conceded a goal from open play in the first, I think, eight games or so. Um, but we hadn't scored enough. And that was a big focus that I said to the team. We need to score more goals. The teams that score more goals in the league obviously get more points. And if they get more points, then it's, it re helps them reach the target of the playoffs. So, we, we changed a little bit, um, but what we did is we went from one extreme where we were very solid at the back and not giving much away to the other extreme where, yes, we scored two goals, but we were conceding three, you know, and, and you've got to find the solutions to that. And sometimes it's a change of formation. Sometimes it's a change of personnel. You know, we stuck to what we believe and what my idea, my methods are of the way we want to play. We want to be a team that plays with the ball. We want to be a team that tries to dominate the ball, but obviously attacks at every opportunity. But to do that, you've got to be able to defend. Um, a weakness of ours last year, a clear weakness of ours was defending set pieces. You know, we conceded three goals in one game off corners. All right. So sometimes it's, it, it, it can be swayed one or one of two ways. You know, I know that we need to be better on set pieces, but 
Uh, in one game, we conceded two off corners. In another game, we conceded three. That's five goals off corners. If you take those two games out of the equation, we've, we've got a very solid defensive unit off corners. But it was the two games that really hurt us, not including the four or five penalties we gave away, which was unfortunate. Maybe one or two you, you hope and go your way, one or two don't. I, I felt that they all went up, went against us. But that's no excuse. We need to be better defending-wise as a team. Defending starts from the front, attacking starts from the back. So all in all, it's a little bit of everything, a little bit more spirit, a little bit more camaraderie. The tactical and technical tweaks within the elements of the game will be tweaked uh, because we've got new personnel as well. But we will never go away from the youth element that we started building last year and we will continue to build this year. I know their impact can their impact can sometimes be overstated, but you did mention the formation there, and you did play with it a bit last season. I imagine you'd like to find one that consistently works for the coming campaign. Have you given a thought to if you're going to be rolling with a back four or a back five for the coming campaign? Yeah, we spoke about it. I've got in my ideas um, what I want, and, and the team are aware of that at the moment because we've only got sixty percent of the team. Uh, we've only sort of drip fed it at the moment, but. The defensive players that we brought in and we've got, you know, there's a lot of young players in there. Mark Natter, Tass, Johnny Katrumbus we brought in. We've got Phil Kankar. So we've got a lot of younger players. Uh, yeah, but we have got experience with Reese and Ziggy as well. Obviously, the, the wing-backs are very flexible. They can play in a back four or back five. You know, we can't be one-dimensional. We need to be fle flexible. We need to have the ability to adapt within games as well, which we did. You know, and I say to, say to people sometimes, and, and they sometimes laugh, and I say... People can get caught up in systems because, you know, we played a back three at times with wing backs and it was very successful. Then we started conceding a lot of goals. We went to Melbourne victory last year with a back four. We played 4-3-3. We conceded five goals, but we scored four. All right. So all in all is we're probably really fun to watch. We, we, we beat Wellington at home 4-3. After going one goal down, 2-1 down, 3-2 down. Exciting to watch. Obviously, turns managers grey, which we know as well. But we've got to make sure we tighten up at the back end as well as trying to get as many goals as we did. Because I don't think we can score as many goals last year as we should have. But we were the second top goal scorers in the league. So we weren't far away. We just need to tidy up certain elements of the game. And obviously you've mentioned recruiting um, for this offseason and well. And it's a very impressive haul that the Wanderers have brought in. A number of Socceroos. Uh, youth internationals, Toma Hamed from Wellington. I mean, you're also going to get a full season from the likes of Stephen Ogarkovich now, who joined mid-season last campaign. What's been your strategy on the transfer market? You know, why these players in particular? Uh, a number of reasons. Whenever you do recruitment, you always try and think, right, okay, there's always managers sometimes think they're smarter than everyone else and they think they can go out and find the diamond in a rough. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. You know, me being a foreign manager over in Australia, as well as a foreign manager in Major League Soccer, I looked at it and the, the common themes and trends, both in Major League Soccer and the A-League, were the Australian players. You know, foreigners come and go, uh, which, you know, is a good thing sometimes. Some foreigners stay, but a lot of foreigners, I think, more often than not come and leave. All right? Whether they're successful is up for debate by fans and pundits and supporters. We all know that. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to try and get back to what Western Sydney Wanderers are all about, all right? And speaking to people at the club, speaking to supporters, because we've got a very passionate fan base. We want to try and interact with them even more this year. We want to try and grow them again, because we saw in the, in the Sydney Derby games, 
what they were about, what we were about, you know, and the club is about the supporters. We, we know that, you know, players come and go, coaches come and go, but the supporters are always there. So we need to bring them back. Uh, we, so I wanted to try and look into that. And I thought when I spoke to people, understanding what it meant to play for Western Sydney, all right? And, and the common theme that I kept getting is when you are from Western Sydney, you understand what it means to roll your sleeves up, fight, you know, that spirit, that never say die attitude. So I looked at all the players possible that I could were free on the market that had a Western Sydney connection. And there were a number of Terry Antonis was playing, obviously abroad. You know, we played for us before, as well as one or two other A-League teams. Dimi Petras, who, who I knew, know from Newcastle, who went on low to Saudi Arabia. He's from Western Sydney. Rami Nigerine was at Melbourne City. He, again, was in the programme as well. And after speaking to him, the, the, the fundamentals of what it is to play for Western Sydney, the fight, the honour, the pressure. You know, there was a little bit of pressure playing for Western Sydney, big club. They all relayed that. And I thought that's the best way that I want to do it because, you know, football's about winning and losing. You know, you're going to lose sometimes more than you win. Yeah, that's the reality of professional sports. And when you lose, it's got to hurt. And if it hurts you because it's your hometown club, then it, it's that extra adage of wanting to demand more and, and want more. And it means a little bit more. So that was part of my recruitment. Obviously, good people, you know, when you, when you get a full season in charge and you're saying, right, character references on people. You know, managers sometimes go to players they worked for before because they're good people. If you've got good people in, in the building, then it certainly helps drive the narrative and the direction of what you want in the club. And I wanted to get as many Australian players as I could because in the current pandemic, you know, as an example, we lost Graham Dorrance. Graham Dorrance came in last year with his family, a fantastic signing, fantastic player and person for the football club. Um, but he was, was unable to settle because of the COVID situation, the quarantine, uh, families getting into the country. Um, and for, the, for his well-being, he wanted to go home with his family. So I respected his decision because, you know, it's very hard being away from your family, as we're all finding out at the moment. Um, so anytime you sign a foreigner, it, there's always that, you know, what's the bigger picture? If I had a crystal ball in six months, I could tell you whether I'm going to sign three, four, five foreigners or not. But I haven't got a crystal ball. And the one thing you know at this current moment in the current climate is Australian players, you know, it's, it's easy for them to come home because they want to check on their families as well. So that was a big focus, obviously, without mitigating the fact that they're really good players, really talented players that have got the experience of playing abroad, that I know that have got the Western Sydney connection as well, because, you know, we've got to play with fire in our bellies. And if you do that, then when it comes to these big games and we want to try and reach these targets of big games, they certainly know what it means. Looking at the side you've assembled, and I'm maybe particularly looking at Antonis and Nugarkovic, especially in that midfield, do you have the best midfield in the A-League, in your opinion? <laughs> well, I think that's a double-loaded question, isn't it? I think you set me up there, Joey. Uh, I am very, very happy with my midfield, let me tell you that, as well as Keanu Bacchus, who was exceptional last year and played the most, most amount of minutes for me. And that might be an option that we go. We might go three in midfield with a 4-3-3. We might go two in midfield with, with one ten and two nines. We might go two tens and one nine. We might go a front three. You know, we explored all these opportunities, but it's all based upon your personnel you have. So I've tried to build a squad that have got different characteristics of the players that we're able to adapt, not only within game, but obviously game to game if we change to a back three or a back four. 
The two players you mentioned there, Stevie, is a, is a fantastic ball player. You don't really realise how good a player he is until you get to work with him. Obviously, I think he can he can always do more. All players can do more, but he's the team that makes you tick. You know, the player that makes you tick. He's a cog. You know, he's key to your jigsaw. Um, and I think you've seen in the five games he came in last year how important he is. A full pre-season under his belt, playing with a group of players that ideally are on his wavelength. You know, Terry Antonis is a is a real important signing for us as well because he brings that little bit of quality, different type of player to Stevie and Keanu, but obviously got quality, understands what it's like to play for the club, the pressure of playing for the club, and, and is a winner. You know, the players that I tried to bring in have all got experience of winning. Um, but yes, we have got two, three very talented midfield players and we're able to compete with the best teams in the league. I generally believe with that amount of talent in that midfield pool. Are you going to bring anybody else in before the season starts? Any holes you want to plug? Yeah, we, we've got play, we've got some room, which is fine. We've got some cap space. You know, we're, we're, we're always looking. Uh, what I don't want to do is jump into it because I don't need my squad fully set now while we're still waiting about when we know when the team is going to start or the first game of the season is going to be. So we've got some flexibility. Uh, we will bring in ideally one or two attacking players still in that front area of the pitch. Uh, we've got to see how something else plays out. We're, we're dealing with one scenario at, at the moment in the team, which is a which is a positive one, but we'll see how that one plays out. But we're always looking, obviously, at the moment with the transfer window closing in, in Europe, all over the world, then that opens up a few more avenues and we'll look at that. But when you're recruiting, you know, if you're trying to bring a family, uh, a player in who's got a family of three or four, it's not as easy as bringing a, a young player who's, who's single and he's just coming on his own because... The likelihood of trying to get family members in or, or friends in or relatives in to see you while you're here in Australia over the next season might be very difficult based upon the rules we have. So we're keeping an open mind on that, um, but we are trying to identify one or two more targets, yes. Towards the end of last season, you did cop a bit of stick for it, but you talked about leadership and you later clarified your comments in saying that you had leaders in the dressing room, but you were maybe lacking a few vocal leaders out there yeah. on the pitch. And I have to imagine Mitch Duke was one of the latter, but unfortunately for you, he's now playing in Japan. Um, do you feel like you have those vocal leaders in your team now? And who are they? Well, when you talk about leadership and you talk about there's, there's different types of leaders, there's leaders by example, what they do, they, you know, 100%, they're fully committed to what they're doing. They're exceptional at their professionalism because but, you know, even though they're quiet in voice or in stature, um, the example that they set is top notch. Then you have leaders who, who talk and are always on you, whether you're winning or losing. You know, they're the voice of the team. And then you have a different type of leader as well. One that sort of has a little bit of everything, um, but you want to step up in big games. All right. And what I said, and again, it's funny because when I said it, we need more leadership. Obviously, then it becomes a story because people say, well, you know, everything that I say, and this is what I've learned as I've grown as a player, dealing when I was with some really experienced managers as well as now I've become a manager, everything that I say publicly is exactly what I've said privately. You know, messages I, I'm not going to turn around and say that we lack leaders last year if I didn't say that to the players in the changing room. You know, it's something we all spoke about. It's something which they believed they could do more, they demanded more, and I actually put requirements on them to do more. You know, but it was a story outside of the locker room, you know, and one which when you're looking on the outside becomes a bigger, bigger story than one on the inside. That's the reality of football and professional sports. And we know that. So 
I needed to assemble a, a different type of leadership group that I wanted. One, it hurts when you lose. Two, there's vocal leaders, not just when you're winning, because when you're winning and everyone's singing your name and everyone's happy and the supporters are jumping for joy, it's easy to believe, be a leader then. It's when you can see your second goal off a set piece, off a corner from the same play and you've lost your man for the second time. The leaders then stand up and reset the team on the pitch and remain with a calm focus. We didn't have that. And I said that, and I wish I could do it for them because my job was to help them, but we didn't have the personnel. And I told them the boys that, and they all admitted they needed to do a little bit more. So now I think we've got that. You know, if you look at the experienced players that we have brought in this year, we've brought in Reese Williams, great experience. We know that. We brought in Dimi Petras, who, yes, he's a creative attacking type player, leads by example with the stuff he does. Once you get to know him, he's a people person. We brought in Terry Antonis, demand standards as being a winner. Stevie, Stevie now has, has obviously worked with me for 18 months, understands what I want tactically and technically, is able to promote his voice a little bit more. You've got Ziggy Gordon, you know, great fighting spirit last year was shown. I think the fans adapted to Ziggy and, and were embraced him because it was a never-say-die attitude. And that's what we need. These young players like Aquilina and Wilmering, and Tate Russell and Keanu Bacchus, you know, they need to follow good people. And if they follow good people and good standards and good professionals and leaders with their voices, then they become better players. My job is my job is to teach. Uh, and if I can teach because I've got good players, senior players in the right positions, through thick and thin, through good and bad, then my job becomes easier. And that's what I've tried to assemble this year. I mean, everything that you're saying, it sounds really great. And if it all comes off, it sounds like you're going to yeah. streak the league and, you know, win the league by 50 points. But um, for Wanderers fans, it's been a long time since the finals. It's easy for cynicism to, you know, kick into yeah. a fan base when you've gone through that. Why, what would you tell them would they, when they ask, why is this season going to be different? We've heard about how great things are going to be in seasons past, um, not only last season, but seasons before that. Um, why is this season going to be different? Well, again, that's a, it's, it's a really good question. And it's one that at this current moment, I can't answer to you. The proof is in the pudding and what we do on the pitch. You know, all I can do is assemble my squad to the best of my ability with the, paramat with the parameters that I work with and in, in, in breathe this spirit, this focus, this mentality that these supporters that are unhappy because we missed finals for the last three, four, four years and change the narrative. And that's all we can do. You know, you can't feel sorry for yourself as players, as coaches, you know, managers come and go, players come and go, which is proven in the A-League time and time again. That's why so many A-League players have played for four, five, six different teams. All right. They come and go because they think there's always something better. What I say to the group all the time is you might think there's something better, but believe me, in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, you're at one of the best clubs in the league. All right, that is the reality of it. Embrace it, enjoy it, but roll your sleeves up and fight for it because sometimes you don't realise what you've got until it's gone. So how am I going to change the narrative? Just by doing our work on the field and then when the season starts, showing what we're about on the field. Don't, I'm not a big talker. I don't want to be, we're going to do X, Y and Z and we should, we're going to do this and that. And, you know, that's not me. You know, do I, do I have a plan? Yes. Do I have a vision? Yes. I design everything with the concepts we work, with the phases we work, with the moments of the game we work. We have our models of play and it all goes into our methodology as a football club. We've got an interlink with the academy, which is a big focus of the ownership group. And that will continue. 
But listen, let me, let's make no bones about it. Results on the field need to be right. If they're not right, there's accountability with that. And I'm okay with that. But also the players need to understand we need to perform because we can't miss another season uh, because we'll lose more supporters. And we don't want to do that. We want to gain supporters because we've seen what it's like in games last year and the, and the fans that stuck with us are, are phenomenal. And we really appreciate that. And we need to get back to that. And we need to give them more. And we want to increase the numbers. But we can only do that, not by talking, not by pleading with them, by doing our work, what we're paid to do on the field. And that's what a big focus it will be this year. You're certainly right when you say the Wanderers are a big club, you know, massive fan base, really well resourced. You've got the best stadium in the country to play in. And it certainly sounds like this now is your team. This is the squad that you've built. Are you feeling the pressure heading into this season? Listen, if there wasn't any pressure on a coach going into a job, there'd be something wrong. Going into a season, there'd be something wrong. I think if you watch the English Premier League at the moment, you're three games into a season, there's three or four managers that are already under pressure. You know, if, if you don't want to be... Well, yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's a number of teams that haven't got any results, all right? If you don't want to... If you're worried about the pressure, trust me, don't be in the sport, all right? So is there pressure? Yes. Will I embrace it? Yes. Will I enjoy it? Yes. Because... You quit, when, when you're out of work or you've not got a job or you're trying to get a job, you actually realise and start take a step back and think about what you want to be about. So is there pressure going? Yes. For every team in the A-League going in, you know, we want to try and win it. The expectations will be to win it. The reality is one team will win it, but that does not make any difference about what our focus is. Our focus is having a, a good, strong season, trying to reach our targets, trying to continue to play the way we started to last year, but tighten up defensively, but also bring that enjoyment element. We want to be an attacking team. We want to get fans off their seats. You know, yes, there were certain games last year. I mentioned we win 4-3 at home. It's a fantastic game. Probably one of the best games of the season. Nightmare for coaches, for both coaches, me and Wellington's coach. Nightmare. But that's what fans want to see. So, Yes, we can go and be really defensive and win games 1-0. But I also, under no impression, we want to excite the fans because fans want to see exciting attacking football. They want to see young players coming through the programme, coming through into their first team because fans get behind homegrown local players. So that will be a big element. It won't just be that I go out and sign three, four, five, 35-year-old players that I think will help in the short term, but not in the long term. That's not the direction. That's not the plan that I think that the Western Sydney Wanderers should go. And I made that clear to ownership and they're very, they're very much on board with that. So there is a plan. Obviously, we've got to drive the boat now because it is an exciting boat with a lot of talent, not just that we brought in, but that we're here last year with an exceptional young talent. And again, I keep talking about young players. You know, we've got more talented young players coming through the programme that nobody has heard of yet that will be given a chance, not only in pre-season, but in the early part of the season. And yes, that gives, puts me under a little bit of pressure because maybe I'm trusting them a little bit more than what people think I should. But listen, if I don't win games of football, then I won't be here. So I'm not going to put my own job at risk if I didn't think they were ready. But what players do need is a coach that believes in them. And I certainly believe in all my players. Well, Carl Robinson, you've been very generous um, with your time. I know we're not going anywhere. We're both confined to our houses, but <laughs> very much appreciate your time this afternoon, mate, and appreciate you joining us. All right, thanks, Joey. Robinson and his Wanderers A-League season is nominally set to commence on October 30. 
although that date is largely at the mercy of Australia's vaccination rates and state government's willingness to open their borders. One wouldn't want to be in charge of figuring out how Perth Glory is going to play in the season ahead. And it appears Robinson is not alone with his ambitions for the coming campaign. Newly signed defender Reese Williams, who is now sporting a rather impressive beard, recently declaring that I don't think finals is good enough. So the hopes and the stakes are being raised in Western Sydney. But that's all from the red and black portion of Sydney for now, and I'd like to thank you for joining us on another edition of ESPN's Beyond the Lead, this time for a chat with Western Sydney Wanderers coach Carl Robinson. I've been your host Joey Lynch, and don't forget that as well as this episode, you can find every other edition of Beyond the Lead, and each and every episode of all of ESPN's spectacular collection of podcasts, wherever you do so happen to get your potties from. If you're enjoying Beyond the Lead or any of ESPN's offerings, well, let's face it, any podcast, make sure you subscribe, give a famous five-star review, and let someone know that you're enjoying it. Get that grapevine rumbling. Thanks for tuning in today, tomorrow, or whenever you happen to be hearing my dulcet tones, and fear not, I'll catch you for another deep dive into sports as ESPN takes you beyond the lead very soon.